I see the sunshine outside. That means it's not raining. I always like it when it's not raining. I always like it when it's not raining. Although, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that you didn't pay for in just a second. The uh, carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. We are streaming live on the WORD Facebook page at the very least. I don't know what Maestro has in plan because sometimes he surprises me with that stuff. But that's, that's what's happening right now definitely on the streaming side. Here's my advice. Now, I have lost 44 pounds most recently. I may have gained one or two back, nothing nothing major. And uh, I, I look much better, but the other day I ran into an old friend of mine, an old Army buddy from Europe, from the 80s, from the mid-80s, and he's become a vegan. Never pose for a picture with a vegan. It don't matter what size you are. Never pose for a picture with a vegan. That's my advice. And it's worth what you just paid for it. Somebody's done some math, and, um, well, the math is sort of sobering. Um, right after he took office in 2021, the resident got out there and signed an executive order requiring that U.S. Census Bureau factor in all residents, including non-citizens, as part of his uh, calculation of the U.S. population. So as a result, a result of that, the apportionment of House seats and electoral votes could be swayed as they continue to pour over the border, those illegal immigrant guy, kind of guys. Mark Corian, the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies, said illegal immigration has all kinds of effects, and among them is that it distorts the mechanics of democratic government. Now, understand, and remember now, the way we vote is democratically. It's not, but not that we're a democracy, okay? Just remember that. Get the term straight. He notes that there's a lot of close votes in Congress, more than there used to be, so it can, in fact, make a difference. And it shouldn't be a question of, does this give you personally more influence in Washington? The question should be, is it right? Is it healthy for our democratic process to be distorted this way? And the answer is no. So, according to the Federation of American Immigration Reform, there's an estimated 16.8 million illegal immigrants living in the U.S. as of June 2023. So that's probably, what are we talking about, 22 million now. And that's be and because every House seat represents 761,168 residents on average, the total number of illegal immigrants accounts for roughly 22 seats in the House. Now, that means that there's more illegal immigrant if they, when they reapportion this, and, when they, and we, we have a date on this. The next census is 2030. The next census is 2030. So we have till then to figure out what we're going to do. But um, as some of these blue states, like New York, New York has, uh, they were apportioned from 27 to 26 in 2020. The state, according to the Census Bureau, would have needed just 89 more residents to maintain their previous apportionment, a calculation that highlights how fragile this house seat levels are. In addition, electoral votes for presidential elections are distributed to states based on how many representatives in Congress you have. Therefore, if you got more representatives, you got more population, you got more people, then you're going to have more electoral votes. So a state with a larger number of House seats has greater influence during presidential elections every four years. 
Now, this is one of these things I, I keep getting asked over and over again. Bill, what do you think about the open primary? We only ask this question right before we're having a primary. We only worry about it right before we're happening, having a primary. We should start working on this in March <laughs> after we have our primary because we're going to have one, at least one more open primary. We ought to be asking why we're having open primaries, but we never think about that after it happens. We only worry about it as it's looming up in front of us. So this is something we should get on right now. And from the Immigration Center for Enforcement, they're warning that illegal immigration is triggering a warped representation in Congress. And this is what has to happen as far as that goes. There's two ways to fix this. The first way, the first way is to simply bar the census from including non-citizens in apportionment. And the, uh, you know, Biden got out there. He started a border crisis. Before that, he started this. And now we have an unprecedented apportionment issue distorting the representation that states have in the House and how many electoral votes they have in presidential elections. This is all part of the, the, uh, uh, the uh, communist long game, if you will. They also have something called the, uh, what is it called? The Equal Representation Act. We've got a couple of senators, you know. I'm not a big Senate fan right now. I've got a couple of senators, and they, they, they introduced it late last month. And under the legislation, the Census Bureau would be required to include a citizenship question in any future census and prohibit non-citizens from being counted for congressional district and electoral college apportionment. And we've had some guys uh, introduce companion legislation in the House. I don't get too excited anymore. <laughs> I don't get too excited anymore when they introduce anything in the House or in the Senate on the Republican side because I just don't. Uh, I just don't. Uh, I just don't think there's a whole lot to it, to be honest with you. With them, I, 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 I can't figure out what the House is for right now, even with Johnson in place. Can't figure out what the House is for. So on the text line, good morning, Bill. I know it's off subject, but I called Senator Corbin's office yesterday, reminded him that the Constitution does not say to keep and bear arms if you have state-approved training. <sighs> That's true. That's true. But the mere fact that we have a bunch of politicians out there, and, uh, you know, I'm going to contact old Tom. Uh, I, I was around when Tom first got elected to office. I know how he got into office, and he, he, he all of it above board. He did it the exact right way. But I know from whence he comes. And uh, I'm going to, you know, I saw him at the Friends of the NRA dinner late last year. So I would expect him to actually know some of this stuff. If, you, if you're going to be out there and say, well, I'm for guns and the Second Amendment, well, then be for it. And you got to be for it all the way. You can't, you know, you can't be so, it's like being partially pregnant. You can't be for it all the way. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. So here's what's, here's what I'm looking at as far as uh, the, uh, the census is concerned. We're going to have to, uh, first of all, we got to close the border because we're hemorrhaging money every time one of them crosses the border. 
We're giving money and free phones and all kinds of stuff to people that are here to be to do terroristic things to us. Yeah. We're doing that. And, uh, I, I well, maybe if they're not passing through the points of entry. I don't know if they get the free phone if they don't pass through the point of entry. The, the, the gist of this is simply this. We can't afford it anymore. We can't afford it anymore. Now, this makes Abbott out to be a, you know, a genius because Abbott understands this whole census changing thing they're trying to do. So he's just taking the overflow and he's just shipping them out. And he's shipping them to places where it won't matter. It won't matter. They they may get another representative or something because New York's been losing them. But, I mean, even with 150,000 or whatever they've got, they've still got a net loss of population. So... You know, I don't know if he if he got out there to. Uh, I don't know if he got out there and said, "Well, we got to figure out a way to make this to you know we got to get multiple returns on what we do here to make this worth our while." I don't know if he did that or not, but this unintended consequences he's got playing right now, this is genius, sheer genius. Wish I'd come up with that. When we get back, uh, you know, I was looking at that $83 million settlement that Trump's been ordered to pay. And then I started looking at the details, and it's that that's where the devil lies. It's always in the details. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. You just heard about the carpro.com talk line. And now we're streaming live as well on the Twitter, the X page, Twitter page, whatever it is. And, you know, that always confuses me. Uh, the other, we, we all heard about Trump's uh, E. Jean Carroll case where he he's being, he's being penalized $83 million for a sexual assault that she doesn't remember exactly when that happened. $18.3 million in compensatory damages and $65 million in punitive damages. Here's the thing. That's not... That's never happened before. This is more of the, the, the Trump rules. These are Trump rules. And the overwhelming likelihood is that if he does pay, even if he pays and he doesn't get this all reversed... It's going to be a lot less. That that trip to Bergdorf, she wants to take Rachel on. That's, they're not going to be buying as many shoes. Now, E. Jean Carroll is a journalist who wrote an advice column for Elle magazine for over two decades. And in 2019, she wrote a book. And in the book, she claims Trump, who was then president of the United States, raped her in a dressing room at Bergdorf. Bergdorf in Manhattan in 1994, 95, or 96, just, you know, can't remember. When she went public with the accusations in 2019, some 25 years later, Trump denied her claims. So because Trump didn't say, oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I sure did that. Because he didn't say that, that was the defamation. When he said, no, I didn't do that. That was the defamation. So... They removed the case to federal court under a federal law calling for the USA to be substituted as a defendant in the place of Trump. 
So she could not sue over the sexual assault claims in 2019 because any such claims were lost due to the passage of time because of the statute of limitations. Well, not to worry because New York comes out with the Adult Survivors Act and this revived her sexual assault claim. So this, this allowed her to file suit against Trump over the alleged rape itself. She sued federal court in New York in November 24, 2022. So included with the rape allegations were additional defamation claims, again, pertaining to Trump's denials, as if somehow or other him saying that he didn't defamed her somehow. Now, the suit, the suit filed in 2022 went to trial before the suit filed in 2019. So in May 2023, a jury in New York awarded Carol $5 million in combined damages, and but they found against Carol on the rape claim, but found in her favor on the other claims, and that case is on appeal. So in, on uh, last month, the 2019 defamation claim went to trial. This time, the jury found his forceful denials of Carol claims were defamatory. Exactly how... What? I mean, does anybody see the stupidity in that one? Hey, you, mister, you raped me. No, I did not. Oh, now you're defaming me, too. You're hurting my... How am I hurting? Anyway, makes it just makes me have a headache. She was uh, awarded $18.3 million and $65 million in punitive damages. But she's not going to get $83 million. She's not. Because the compensatory damage award is grossly excessive, and the punitive damage award violates the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Her damages will be reduced even if it's not reversed altogether. Compensatory damages are the actual loss or damage a party suffers. And recall that the award for what Carol claims and the jury found were defamatory made in 2019 totaled $18.3 million. Now, that was made in a New York State defamation claim, and the United States Supreme Court ruled in a case called Gasparini v. Center for Humanities that state law governs a review of the amount of a jury verdict in a diversity case like this one. So money judgment is excessive if it deviates materially from what would be reasonable compensation. And it requires the court to review the evidence presented at trial in support of the award and compare the award to other similar New York cases. Well, New York does not support compensatory damage of more than 3 to $4 million, nowhere near the 18.3. There are no $18.3 million compensatory damage awards by New York state courts. It will be found excessive, and once it is, it has to be lowered to the maximum amount which can be recovered. This is known as the maximum recovery rule. So, she's looking at 3 to $4 million, which is still a lot of money to me, but it's not what she thinks it is. Then there's the issue of the duplicative uh, damage awards, since similar awards were made by both juries, including for repairing Carol's reputation and defamation. I don't know how that actually works, though, because I do this for a living, and I never heard of her before this. Then the punitive damages. Well, <laughs> in BMW of North America v. Gore, the United States ruled an excessive punitive damage award under state law violates the 14th Amendment due process right. This has to be ratioed, right? So federal cases confirm compensatory damage awards of 300000 to a million, far less than the award to Carol, were substantial for these purposes. 
The punitive award, right, is $65 million or 3.55 times the $18.3 million compensatory damage award. The punitive damage award is excessive and has to be reduced to a one-to-one -one ratio. So, if everything goes her way, she's looking at getting $8 million. That If everything goes her way. If it doesn't get reversed at all. Now, if they contort themselves into allowing the 18.3 to somehow stand, the punitive damages will necessarily be reduced to an equivalent of about 18.3. Now, the reason I point all of this out is because of this absolute Trump rules thing that... Uh, is, is is just coming out every way, which way we look. And I hate to tell you this. I mean, I can, let's see. So I had my heart attack at 7.12 p.m. January the 12th, 2015. Do you know why I remember that? Because it was a pivotal moment in my life. I've had a few other things happen that I could quote date and time to you. I've had a few pivotal, like you, you've had pivotal moments in your life too, yeah. So, um, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, the, uh, this is a, when, when you, when you, I would think when you get raped, that's a pivotal moment in your life. When you, when you, when you think to check the time, when you check the time to make sure you're being raped and you remember what time it was and what day it was. When you get out there and put, I mean, in 20, well, did we have, we didn't have smartphones in the 90s, did we? No. We had sticky notes, though. She could, there's just no way she doesn't remember it because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Nobody gets on TV, on national TV, and giggles over being raped and going shopping on the shopping spree. Nobody does that. So. Just a little, uh, uh, just, this is an advantage, uh, or excuse me, an example of the Trump rules nonsense. Right now, there's reports coming out that Iran is sending out hit squads to look like refugees. And that should be a concern with us, especially with our southern border. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I don't know what it is. I mean, I notice this with everybody there. Maybe it's because we move. I always have to adjust the mic. I always have to jerk it around and mess with it and everything. Maybe that's a little too much inside baseball. I don't know. The carpro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page and the WORDX page. And I'm messing with the mic some more. Anyway, something called the Rare Foundation published an article by Amy Meck. And uh, it says, in a chilling new report by Sverges Radio, it has come to light that the Islamic Iranian regime allegedly orchestrated a plot to target and kill Jews in Sweden. 
The clandestine operation reportedly involved two Iranian secret agents tasked with mapping and planning the murders of several individuals, with their primary targets being Swedish Jews, including Aaron Verstendig, chairman of the Jewish Central Council. This all began in 2021, and law enforcement there arrested a Stockholm-based refugee Muslim couple, Mahdi Ramazani and Fairstay Sarinifarid. I'm not trying that again. It should just be Faristy from here on out. And they believe they were possibly engaging in terrorist activities. Now, according to Mech, they the pair had meticulously mapped out their intended targets, collected photographs and address information of individuals, predominantly Jewish uh, people in Sweden, and some of the intended victims had young children as well. And despite all of that... Uh, they escaped any legal consequence, and they were shipped back to Iran. It was after their departure that the plot thickened. Because apparently the Swedish Migration Agency, they're nearly as good as our Department of Homeland Security. Because they botched it. Uh, you know, they received multiple warnings and anonymous tips re regarding Ramazani's true identity and potential inf uh, affiliation with the IRGC. And they granted the couple asylum under false pretenses, labeling them as Afghan refugees. <laughs> and there were a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions about their authenticity, the authenticity of their documents. Uh, there was a lot of inconsistency with their the way they spoke, their linguistics during the asylum process. And despite all of these, they proceeded with granting asylum to the Iranian terrorist couple. Now, if this were to be discovered here, first of all, everybody that brought this up would be accused of being an Islamophobe. Because the crime of Islamophobia is far worse than any sort of terroristic thing going on right now. And, you know, this, this is the progressives I'm talking about that would level these charges, which shows you exactly how qualified they are to be in office. But here's my here's my question. Here's my question. Right now, in the United States, what we don't see coming across the border, for the most part, in a lot of cases, is women and children. We see military-age men. And, you know, the question has to be asked, how do uh, African immigrants from Senegal and Guinea and Liberia get to the U.S. border crossing in Tucson? That's... 2,500 miles away from the closest point in Africa. And that's the closest point in Af between Africa and South America. So how many of these people are sponsored by Iran or China or any other anti-American adversary? Now, I have, a, I have an answer to this question. We got to deport all of them. All of them. Now, one of the things that happens with this as we're sitting here, and as I'm sitting here and I'm belly aching about all this stuff, most of the elites would look at us and look at me and say, just suck it up. Suck it up. Quit complaining. Which is where they start losing me and you. Because 60% of the country is living paycheck to paycheck. The Democrats continue to lose younger voters due to high inflation and high interest rates.
Joe Biden is a pre-boomer. And he's, you know, he's losing the young voters Democrats need. Joy Behar, she got out there and told them to quit whining and get a job. She, she slammed the Gen Zers who complained they're left behind by the economy. In the 80s, which thankfully he was my commander-in-chief most of the time that I was in there, the Reagan Revolution changed the relationship between the federal government and all Americans. And, uh, you know, they, the Democrats created this image of country club Republicans full of greedy elitists who cared only about making a lot of money. When the, when the fact of the matter is the left is just as in it for the money as anybody else. They're all in it for the money. They're all in it for the money. So Reagan's across the board tax cuts, plus much better messaging and public relations by the Republicans. You know, the importance of jobs, jobs held by millions of people in the middle. Uh, a lot of regular people came to understand that good economic policy meant job security. And when lower taxes were applied to their employer, that was a good thing because when it was growing and succeeding financially, it not just translated into job security, but rising wages and pay increases. But then comes the Bush family. Both Bush 1 and 2 failed to communicate this kind of messaging. Uh, Bush won, lost after one term to Bill Clinton, in large part because he reneged on his promise about no to new taxes after he ended up raising them during his one term. And millions of working-class people were instrumental in electing Obama because of Bush II starting the Iraqi and Afghanistan wars. Obama campaigned as a moderate but governed as an extremist, and he alienated the working-class Caucasians who ended up playing a big part in putting Trump into office because he was elected into office by a plurality of white people. West Virginia was historically a blue state, but thanks to Obama and his energy policies, it's now a red state. And Biden, when he remembers to be, is more extreme than Obama. So, you know, when we look at these things like illegal immigration and, you know, people possibly being killed and stuff like that, that should bother you. It bothers me a great deal. It bothers me a great deal. And the, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't for some people. I don't quite get that. Let's, let's take a look. We're going to make a list of the skewed news. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The other day, <laughs> uh, CNN was interviewing Scamala, and he said, uh, I'm struck just in your presence, looking in your eye with your passion, which uh, Scamala was completely taken aback by. She knows she's not passionate. You know, reporters claim to be objective, and they're not. They got upset about a rule of law. Because Texas refused to give in to federal law. And that's because Texas politicians won't remove a fence that the feds told them to remove. So they started asking, why isn't the Biden administration suing Texas? And there's a reasonable, you know, rule of law deserves discussion. But then 
where the sanctuary city, they, they show no outrage over this. And they say that they have merely chosen not to follow federal immigration laws. They're not refusing like Texas does. Of course, they also like to, you know, they like to label politicians like uh, Javier Malay, libertarian. He wants to shrink his country's corrupt bureaucracy. So they've decided to call him a far-right radical. But libertarians aren't far-right or even right. Most of them want to end wars. They support free trade, gay marriage, drug uh, decriminalization, and other things far from the far-right. Malay wants to increase the supply of donated organs by legalizing their sale. That's not far right. The American Economic Association found 43% of conservatives oppose organ sales. But they smear Malay as far or hard or extreme right. Maybe it's because he wants to cut the size of government. That's, you know, they, the, the media likes big government. They exaggerate any proposed cuts. Like this headline from Forbes. Republicans set on hurting their own constituents with draconian budget cuts. And what were the budget cuts they were doing? They were go Instead of increasing spending by the same 7.8% of last spring, they cut the increase to 3.9%. And that's still an increase, by the way. It's not a cut. And they label anybody who doesn't agree with them as right-wing or Donald Trump-like. Stephen Colbert calls Malay the Donald Trump of Argentina. And I guess Malay has big hair and he's good on TV, but he's not traditional. And, but that doesn't make him a Donald Trump of Ar Argentina. Malay is for free trade. He opposes protectionist in interventions like tariffs, unlike Trump. He's serious about shrinking the state. Trump, by contrast, you know. Some things happened under him that sort of grew the size of, of the nation, or the debt, rather. I've been doing this. I've been in the radio business now since for 12 years. And you can't believe how much I've come to hate most of the media. I mean, I hate the fear-mongering. They scare people to death. They take a minor threat, and they pump it up with all kinds of steroids, they're all conjecture. They're all based on some theory that none of it's based on fact. They scare people to death, and then they spin left while pretending to be neutral. And uh, they routinely smear anybody that's not, especially libertarians. Libertarian ideology is a natural enemy of science, they say. But the joke's on them. <laughs> because right now, CNN's primetime viewership fell behind the history channels. Nobody's watching CNN. They're even behind some obscure channel that plays old Western movies. Now, I hate to tell you this, but this is somewhat problematic for you, CNN. And, I mean, they're the big dogs. Uh, where do you think MSNBC falls in on all this? Where do you think uh, some of these other little things fall in on this? They don't. They do not. Because most people are going to other places. They're going to Substack. They're going to YouTube. They're coming here. Podcasts. They're getting their news somewhere else because where they traditionally used to get their news, it's no longer news. It's propaganda. Now, one of the things I came to understand, as the more I do this, the more I understand this, there's going to be some things that I absolutely have to support that I don't like. And that's where the, 
the issue comes in for me. Sometimes I'm going to have to not like something and still be for it. And that's because I'm constitutional. My fealty is to the Constitution. It's not to a president. It's not to any individual. And it's to no personality. It's, uh, it's all, you know, it's all uh, just one thing for me. So that's the good news. The, the news is not, uh, it's not the best thing out there. And on the other hand, it's uh, not listened to by that many people. It's pretty funny. Being asked on the text line, hey, Bill, those commercials that Nikki Haley is running says Trump's going to raise taxes by 10%. Do I know anything about that? No, I don't. But I would simply say this. If Nikki Haley's out there saying the sky is blue, everybody should run outside and go check it because she's deluded. She's just absolutely delusional. She's going to say, she will say literally anything she thinks will get a vote, will prolong her time in the race. I don't know what she's angling for. The longer she stays in the race, the more incompetent she becomes. She's blaming Trump for, uh, she's blaming Trump for a lot of stuff that he doesn't have a dog in the fight of at the moment. He's as, he has as much authority over what's going on right now in the United States as she does because he's not in office. He may be influential. He may have a way of, uh, you know, of getting people to do things, but he's not in authority right now. So when she gets out there and do all this nonsense, uh, you know, just makes me laugh because it's, it's just hurting her brand really bad. When we get back, let's talk about what happened in Kansas City because there's one thing nobody's talking about with this. I, I don't understand that at all. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.